is the pommel horse prince Li Zhikai. You guys mm -hmm. have heard of him? Oh, yeah. Actually, he became famous in um, 2005 when the documentary came out called Boys Jump. Mm -hmm. And he was the one who was jumping, um, doing lots of stunts near his mother's market stall to attract business. Oh, so He wow. was like really cute in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, he's been doing very well on the world stage. How many gold medals has he won in global competitions oh, so far? Man, I know he got one for sure. Uh -huh. That's during the Universade in Taipei. Right. Okay. I'm sure it's more. Boy is talented. Mally said very good. He's been doing very well. So, uh, you know what? I'm going to say five. Five. Okay. Five. How about you? I'm going to double it. I'm going to say ten. Ten. Wow. Okay. Let's take a look at the answer. Seven. Whoa. Seven. Meet Pretty you good, halfway. right? Meet you halfway. Meet you halfway. Nicely done. What's this all about? Why are they doing that? What's going on here? It's Curious John. What is he curious about today? Over the past few decades, thousands upon thousands of Indonesians have come to Taiwan looking for opportunity. Tony Tamsier is one of them. Since arriving in the 1990s, Tony has done a lot for Taiwan's Indonesian community. As an RTI radio host and TV newsreader, he speaks to the community every day. And as an advocate for Indonesian migrant workers, he also speaks out for the community. Last week, Tony gave us a look at who is coming from Indonesia and why they choose Taiwan. This week, he's back to share his own Taiwanese story. I have two brothers and one sister. No one could speak Mandarin at that time. So my mom wanted at least one child can speak Mandarin in the future. Is this have to do with your ethnic background? We should point out that most people coming here are, are Javanese. Now you, I understand, are ethnic Chinese. Yeah, I'm Chinese. Chinese I'm Indonesian. Indonesian. Yes, I'm Chinese, uh, born in Indonesia. Right. Yeah. So was that something to do with your roots? Uh, you may say that, yes, because both of my parents are Chinese. Mm -hmm. They want their children get uh, at least a Chinese uh, education background. They sent me first and then my brother. At that time, it's 1994, I think, that the first time I came to Taiwan. That's, that's also my first time go abroad. I was dreaming that I can study in uh, Australia or America. And so I tried my best to study English at the time. But six months before I fight abroad, mm -hmm. my mom told me that I only have two things that can be choose. One, you can stay, keep staying in Indonesia, or you just only can go to Taiwan. So you were given a, a mandate from your mother, only two choices, two options. <laughs> yes, only two choices. That's yes, it. So you picked Taiwan. Yes, I, I picked Taiwan because at, at least, yes, I can go abroad. Now, you mentioned that your parents wanted at least one of their kids to have a Chinese education. Uh, was that possible in Indonesia at the time? At the time, it's prohibited because uh, that's in Suharto era. Suharto is the second president of Indonesia. From 1968, to 1999, you couldn't use Mandarin in Indonesia. You even couldn't celebrate the Chinese festival. Suharto tried to fight communism. Communism is Chinese in Suharto's thoughts. Uh, you also have to change your name. Right, I noticed that your, your surname, Tamsir, is definitely not Chinese. Yeah, that's not Chinese. Your ethnic background. Yeah. So was that a result of this? That's right. 
Yes,、mm. my surname is Tamsir. Tamsir actually is coming from Tan,、uh, because my my,、uh, my Chinese name is、uh, Tan Yunfu. So,、mm-hmm. uh, Tamsir is coming from Tan. So it、yeah. sounds like, but you had to adopt a local name to show sort of your loyalty to Indonesia. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. At the time, I、uh, I was still young, and、mm-hmm. I just thought that it's kind of a little bit discrimination. You felt discrimination.、Uh, I I think so. Yes, I think so. Yeah.、Uh, You were served as the second, uh, uh, how to say that? Second class citizen. Second, second class. Yes.、Mm. You may not join the political party. You didn't have the right to enter to the legislative. You couldn't, uh, 那个选举 You couldn't take part in elections. You, you, you could vote, but, but you couldn't you stand couldn't. as a candidate. Yeah, you, you cannot. Okay.、Cannot. Yes. And did this extend to like as you said you were young at the time? Was this like schoolyard taunts where you made fun of for your ethnicity? Did you feel like you know from kids your age, or was this just a government got bullied? Yeah, that sort of thing. But did you ever have anything like I, that? I did. Yes, you did. Yeah, when I was in the junior high school、mm. and high school, my feeling are very bad because you were worried when you were working. From school to your house,、mm-hmm. because you're ethnic, you look like Chinese. You don't look like Indonesian.、So、you stood out. Even、mm-hmm. I can speak very well Indonesian. Obviously, you work as an Indonesian radio <laughs> language host. It's your mother tongue, isn't That's it? That's right. Yeah. So you you left in ninety four, was it? Yes. And then you came, and things got worse back home. Yeah. What 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 happened? The riots. The riots、uh, started from 1997, I think,、uh, when the Asia crisis, the economic crisis in the whole Asia,、mm-hmm. uh, the rupiahs, the the Indonesian、uh, money, were dropped. There were a, a riots. Mostly、uh, Indonesian Chinese got、uh, discriminated, and then their house were fired. I I only can、uh, saw from the magazine, from the from the newspaper. You weren't there at the time. You just heard. I. I was in Taiwan, right? But my family were in Indonesia,、mm-hmm. in Jakarta. My home is just on that road where there had been rioting, and, the rioting, and arson. Yes. yes, my father at that time were running a small factory,、mm-hmm. were burned. It was set on fire. Yes. Were ethnic Chinese specifically targeted, or was this just general rioting? Because at the time, mostly, I think this is a kind of a political. Uh, strategy in Suharto era, they would say Indonesian Chinese are ruling the economy, the whole economies. If you want to talk about the Indonesian economics, mostly were running by Chinese. Some Indonesian、uh, will th- will think about the Indonesian Chinese are not Indonesian, but they got a lot of、mm. economic research, and then they were rich. They were. Stealing in quotes.、Uh, you've just made air quotes. Yes, <laughs>、uh, they were stealing、uh, our resource in Indonesia, so、uh, they were rich. That's what they thought.、Mm. So, what ended up happening? Have you, did your family join you here? And were you the only Indonesian Chinese that you knew of, or were were others coming to Taiwan at that time? At the time in 1998, when the riots happened, most Indonesian Chinese were running abroad. Mostly went to Singapore. Some to Malaysia. Like my brother, were sent to Malaysia to keep studying before came to Taiwan. And my family、uh, in Jakarta, they were moved outside the suburb. Was it safer there compared to Jakarta? So this sort of rioting was an urban type of thing. It happened in the big cities in Jakarta,、mm-hmm. in Medan. 
in Bandung and Surabaya, I think. Yeah. So this was a pretty widespread. It's pretty. It's pretty wide. So mm-hmm. that's why uh, most Indonesian Chinese are still afraid right now. Uh, mm. We still have a kind of a very very bad uh, moment until now. Until now. Until now. Mm. So you decided to stay here. Were many other ethnic Chinese from Indonesia coming here, or are you the only one that you know of? Uh, in 2000, uh, there were hundreds uh, Indonesian Chinese uh, students came to Taiwan. Coming here. Yes. Okay. So with that background in mind, I mean, you've talked about joining to fight for the rights of new arrivals who are mm-hmm. not ethnic Chinese here mm-hmm. in Taiwan. Mm-hmm. H- how do you feel? Do you see yourself still as Indonesian? And how are relations with the, those who came here who fleeing persecution or rioting and those who are now arriving more recently to work as migrants? Uh, do you mean that uh, it's not, um, it will be strange, right? Is there other tensions between these two groups, do you uh, find? It will be uh, very strange for most people mm-hmm. uh, when, when they told me that I'm Indonesian Chinese. I was one of the victims mm-hmm. of, from the riots, uh, my family. But now I try to fight for the migrant workers' rights. Because for me, uh, it's about human rights. I don't think the ethnic or the, the roots or something like that uh, is more important. But I think uh, human rights are more important than anything. So you still feel that these are your countrymen all the same? Yeah. These are your people and no matter what happened in the past... Uh, what's happening in the past is a history. Mm. Okay, just keep it uh, as a history, right. one of part of Indonesian history. Right. Uh, and right now, I may say that yeah, I, I fight for my people, my right. Indonesian people. Yes. And you're still an Indonesian national. Yes, I'm still Indonesian national okay. uh, nationality, and uh, I I do join some political party in in Indonesia, mm-hmm. uh, and try to to talk uh, with my people in here. And then uh, try to educate my people in here and help them to solve the problems. Mm. I don't like to be one of the person who always hate about the past. Mm. Maybe it's a black dark moment for me at that time. Mm. But right now, it's my turn to help my people. Coming to Taiwan isn't always without its problems, especially for those who come as migrant workers. Next week, in the final installment of our conversation, Tony will tell us about migrant workers' rights in Taiwan and what advocates like himself hope to see change. Stroke of Light, a portrait of Taiwan through the eyes of painters, sculptors, filmmakers, and photographers. Hello, and welcome back to Stroke of Light. I'm Jake Chen. This week, we will be looking at a brand new exhibition, and in order to describe his work, I will need to exhaust a pretty rare section of my vocabulary because it really is radical, provocative, harsh, and potentially upsetting to some. But I hasten to add, it is all that in the best possible way. Enter Mr. Juan Cornella and his latest exhibition titled, I'm Full of Shit. Yeah, that really is the title of his exhibition, and trust me, the title really is quite tame compared to his actual work. 
His exhibit is currently held here in Taipei City, at the Songshan Cultural Exhibition Park. The exhibit rooms are covered in black cloth from all directions, and all the visitors have to peel open a corner of the draping cloth and stoop a bit to walk in. This adds to the mystery of the work, and at least for me, it makes the whole thing that much more shocking when I walk in and set my eyes on his comic drawing for the first time. Large frames of comic illustrations are seen hanging over the wall in the exhibition hall. Most frames are divided into four or six blocks that together tell a very short story, much like what we see in newspaper comic strips such as Garfield. But if the artist conforms to any convention, that's pretty much it, because the content of his comic is anything but conventional. In one frame. We see a man with a big grin typing in front of a computer. Hanging in front of his chest is a sign that reads "Employee of the Month." And standing in front of his computer screen is another man with his pants down around his ankles. We don't see the face of the man since the top edge of the frame cuts off at his waist area. However, we can tell that the faceless man is another corporate figure based on his shirts and pants. A little blob of brown stuff has flown out of the standing man's hip area, towards the face of the hardworking employee. And since the standing faceless man's pants are down, we can only assume that the blob is his feces, and the employee is literally taking his crap. The harsh satirical style permeates through all his work. Whenever I look, I see paintings that tell short stories, which are funny but in a pretty upsetting manner. To call the jokes in his comic strips crude would be an understatement. For instance, we see a woman throwing her baby to a man just to help shield a bullet. As the baby gets hit, the woman watches the whole thing and reveals a creepy smile. In other paintings, we see a soldier holding selfie stick by plugging it into the worn surface of his amputated arm. We see a bloodied man who's crawling at the site of a car crash, and is smiling while taking a selfie. We see the neighbors in an entire building look upwards as a man commits suicide by jumping off the roof. All but one of the neighbors witnessing the scene didn't do anything. They wait until the man lands headfirst into a vehicle and holds up a sign with number six, eight, and ten on them. As if they're judges who are scoring the performance. One of them is an exception as he watches the unfolding of an unfortunate event with anxiety, and picks up the phone, presumably to call the police. I'm sure that by this point we're getting a pretty good idea of the general aesthetics of the story. They're filled with behaviors that are cruel and self-absorbing. They focus on the mundane life of everyday people. But what they end up showing is nothing that can be considered usual or acceptable. There are certainly a lot to be unpacked at this exhibition and on many levels. How does the artist convey his ideas through his aesthetics? What are the core messages that he's trying to convey to the audience and viewers? And clearly, being satirical with his work, what are the social phenomenon trends? And ongoing events that he's trying to address, describe, or critique. These are all 
interesting questions that we'll be trying to answer in the following weeks. We're going to go through some of the paintings and try to understand the mad genius behind them. So, stay tuned, and I hope you enjoy the ride. For Stroke of Light, I'm Jake Chen. Talk to you next week. What do you know about Taiwan? I know who the president is. What about their local music and food? Well, hmm. What do you suggest? Tune in to Radio Taiwan International. Here at RTI, we offer the authentic Taiwan experience. You hear the sound of remote attractions, the local food, music, the lives of real Taiwanese as they live it. Visit english.rti.org.tw. Listen to the real Taiwan. Pull yourself together already. It's time to feast. Sit down at the table with Andrew Ryan and Ellen Chu on Feast Meets West. Hello, welcome to the feast. This is Ellen Chu, and this is Andrew Ryan. How are you today, Ellen Chu? I'm doing just fine. Excellent. We have a very warm program for you today. Really? And we have a very unusual ingredient that we're going to be introducing in today's program. What can it be? What can it be? I'm just going to open it up and have you sample it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Do you want to try it and just like give us an idea of what it tastes like? Sure. I'm going to describe it to you. What I have here is a powder, but it's not just any powder. I have a little spoon here. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you a little tiny bit of this powder and you can just sample it with the tip of your finger. Now, usually people don't just eat the powder like this, oh, but... it looks afar. It looks like caviar. Hold on. Okay. Yeah. And you can just uh, try it. And it doesn't have any sugar in it. So you can just sample it and see what it tastes like. <laughs> Silence fills the room. It Not great for the little, airwaves. It has a little bit of sourness. Mm-hmm. Has a little tang to it, right? A tang to it, and then it has a little bit of fruity smell. Mm -hmm. your, you know, it 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 leaves the fruity taste like in your palate. But there's no sugar. That's the only thing, no. right? It's right. a little bit unusual, unexpected, I guess. Uh huh. So this is actually from the acai berry mm. from Brazil. Wow. And in today's program, we're going to be meeting a guy who's from Brazil who mm -hmm. actually imports this into Taiwan. And we're going to learn how this is actually one of the healthiest superfoods out there. It's a trendy food, but it's also a very delicious food. And it's super healthy. Super healthy. Mm -hmm. So should we check out what's on our menu today? Definitely. Let's do it. In our first course, we meet Carlos Song and find about his connection to Brazil. That's right. In our second course, he's going to introduce us to the amazing health properties of acai, and show us how to assemble an acai bowl. Mm. And third and final course, we'll be sampling some Carlos creation. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. 
to bring you the setting and the lifestyle and the passion and also the beats of mm. Brazil. We're gonna bring you this song called "The Girl from Ipanema." Ipanema. Right. That's right. And this is by Stan Getz and João Gilberto. Oh, let's check it out. Moça do corpo dourado do sol de Ipanema, o seu balançado é mais que um poema. É a coisa mais linda que eu já vi passar. Ah, por que estou tão sozinho? Só minha que também passa sozinha. Ah, se ela soubesse que quando ela passa, o mundo sorrindo se enche de graça e fica mais lindo por causa do amor. here on the first course of Feast Meets West today, and we are in a restaurant called Amavi. Amavi. I wonder what that means, huh? That's a good question, Alan Chu. Right. We, we have the perfect person to answer that for us. All right, so why don't we introduce him? Okay, so uh, we'd like to welcome Carlos Song to the program, and uh, can you start off by telling us what does Amavi mean? Hi, everyone. So I'm Carlos from Amavi. So Ama is Amazon mm -hmm. and V is life. Oh. So Ama V means Amazon life. Wow, that is exotic, huh? Yes, and Carlos is actually from Brazil. He grew up there, right? That's right. Why don't we ask him to say hello in Portuguese? To, uh, you know, we might have some Brazilian friends out there, right? <laughs> That's right, all right. right. Tudo bem? Tudo bem? Tudo bem? Yeah. Okay. That was easier it's, than I thought. You know, I would imagine people in Brazil, you know, would be closer, the language would be closer to Spanish, but you know, it's like Portuguese, and Portuguese is so much different from Spanish. It's like totally different. You can't even make it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, fortunately, we have Carlos with us, so he can, yes. uh, he can interpret it for okay, us, right? So, everybody ready? We're going to go into Amavi, which is the Amazon life. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you can see just by looking at the walls, there's pictures of what looks like Carnival, yeah. and there's a toucan. Yeah. And then this looks like Ipanema. Is that Ipanema? Yeah, the Ipanema Beach mm -hmm. in uh, Rio de Janeiro. It's one of the most famous beach there. These three pictures represent... Uh, the spirit of Amavi. So you can see people playing volleyball in the beach and the uh, toucan bird, you know, actually it has uh, acai in the mouth, right? And also people dancing uh, carnival. So their face, you know, it's red. So there are a lot of uh, red dots, which represents, you know, the passion of Brazil and Amazon. And we are like the toucan bird. So we are bringing Acai and passion from Amazon to Taiwan. Wow, there's so much meaning behind these photos. <laughs> oh my goodness. You know, I thought it was like three posters, you know, get get a feel of Brazilian life. Mm -hmm. And it's like all these, you know, 
little message in there. So, do do toucans actually eat acai, the berries? Yeah, they do. They are one of the acai greatest fans. <laughs> so they like you know, you know, sitting on top of the tree and eating the acai berry. Wow. Yeah. How did you get the idea to bring acai to Taiwan? I was in Brazil for 14, 15 years, right? Then I came back to Taiwan. So I have been in Taiwan for a long time. And I met my wife, Kimi, in Taiwan. So after we got married, you know, we went to Brazil together in a 21-day trip. Wow. Yeah. Well, you know, it takes like 20 plus hours to get there. So might as well, you know, stay 21 days, right? Absolutely. You had only been married for not very long, right, when you went to Brazil. What did she think about it? Yeah, so, uh, you know, she really loved Brazil because it's a very uh, tropical place. People were super friendly and people are, you know, they really enjoy the time in the present. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they don't save too much for tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. When did you get the idea to actually uh, connect acai and Brazil to your life here in Taiwan? Yeah, so acai is everywhere in Brazil. So we actually live in the south and we made a round trip. So from south to north and uh, every city that we went, we ate acai. So we had acai for 21 straight days. <laughs> Is this something that, you know, Brazilians eat daily? It's like part of like, it's kind of like cereal, like in, in the house? Yeah, so that's right. It's something like that. Acai grows in the Amazon, in the north part of Brazil. So the worldwide 90% of uh, acai is there. And, you know, the whole Brazil eats acai. So we experienced acai, we fall in love with that. And when we came back to Taiwan, you know, Kimi was saying, wow, why can't I find that kind of acai in Taiwan? That's the idea came up and we spent like two and a half years, you know, planning everything, getting everything right. And then we, you know, built this store. Wow. You know, the first time I heard about acai is this, you know, trend and this thing going viral in Hollywood because a lot of the bodybuilders, you know, they're, you know, nutritionists, you know, they are putting together all these acai bows for these beautiful Hollywood stars. So everybody like in the fashion magazine is like, you know, eating their acai in the photo shoot. Mm. So that is the first time I saw this and then it became kind of viral here. And you see restaurants starting to put together these fruit bowls and put with sprinkles of like acai. But, you know, it's like everybody has their own interpretation. But I never really followed that it was from Brazil. I know. Yeah. How did it become so popular and so trendy around the world? Yeah, so acai was uh, discovered in Rio de Janeiro in the beach. Because in the beach, a lot of people are surfing, right? And there are people, you know, they're selling acai, like acai bowls, acai bowls. You can just buy one and have it. So it's very good to, you know, it's kind of uh, cool and uh, also very energetic because you waste a lot of energy surfing, right? Mm -hmm. So they sell in the beach and two Americans discovered that and, you know, they went back to U.S. and they brought acai to U.S. Also, you know, opera. Mm -hmm. So she... Oprah Winfrey. That's right. Yeah. She's talking her show. And you can also find that in her, in her website, opera.com. She talks about acai, number one superfood, and all the goodness of it. And then acai became very famous and popular in the U.S. And once it's popular in the U.S., it starts start going you know, worldwide. And now we bring it to Taiwan. 
In just a moment, we're going to learn how to put together an acai bowl. But first, one of my favorite Brazilian songs, Cucuru Cucu Paloma by Quetano Veloso. Dicen que por las noches no más se le iba en puro llorar. Dicen que no comía, no más se le iba en puro tomar. Juran que el mismo cielo se estremecía al oír su llanto. Como sufría por ella, que hasta en su muerte la fue llamando. Listening to Feast Meets West. Second course. Okay, we are standing in front of the open kitchen at Amavi, and Carlos and Kimmy have prepared all the ingredients to put a an acai bowl together. Right, and he just finished with blending, and this looks like the acai berry, mm-hmm. all blended with ice and blueberry and cranberry as well, and it looks like a slush. Yeah, so it's uh, you know an acai puree. A puree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we blend all together, and then we are gonna pour it in the bowl so this is a coconut bowl it's a coconut shell look at that wow that's cute and so he's just putting the puree down in the bowl a nice Mm. thick layer of it too isn't it and then kimmy's got some fruits that she's cut up there some banana and some strawberries and we are gonna also add some granola Mm. and the brazilian uh, milk powder leite ninho po Leche Nino Po. Okay. <laughs> That's right, yeah. So this combination is the exact Brazilian way. Okay. So when you were little, did you eat this for breakfast or is this something that became more fashionable later on? Later on. When I was a kid, you know, acai was not that popular yet. Yeah. But I think uh, acai is more popular in these 18 years. Okay. Yeah. Since you came back to Taiwan, it's become more popular. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. The milk yeah. powder is just like spread over it. She's putting milk powder up, a little mound of it on the wow. side of it. And she's got everything lined up so beautifully. Mm. So, Carlos, when you import the acai, you don't actually import the whole berries. Is that right? Yeah. So, what we do is the acai is collected in the Amazon forest, right? And then it, it, it is uh, kind of cleaned uh, within 24 hours and we go through a freeze-dried process which it separates the solid part and the liquid part you know in a very low temperature and all the nutrition 
like the antioxidant, antioxidin, and the omega 369 remain in the solid part, and we bring that to Taiwan. Okay, so it's freeze dried, yeah. Right, so all the nutrition is like knocked in. All right, so one more step here. What's going to happen? The Brazilians, they actually like, you know, very sweet with condensed milk. But we, in Taiwan, we don't do as sweet. But, you know, condensed milk is, you know, uh, optional. So people can add as much as they want. All righty, look at that. It's a beautiful tray. Maybe Carlos can also tell us a little bit about the berries themselves. The berries are, are black colored almost, right? So it's a dark purple. So, you know, fruits that as dark, you know, dark purple is very good for your eye. Really? Like bilberry? Mm -hmm. Yeah, these are all good for your eyes. I think I should I think have you some. Should have some more. <laughs> yes. Because I'm wearing like my reading glasses right now. <laughs> younger than me and you're wearing like reading glasses. They like all those healthy attributes, right, Ellen Chu? Right. I mean, all these healthy attributes like, you know, digestions and, you know, it brings up your immune system and also it is antioxidant and then it kind of like, you know, helps you with the skin cells and aging process and everything, right? She's cheating. She's reading all the posters on the wall. <laughs> you know, there's so many information here. The fruit of God, hey. Because acai is a lot consumed by people who look for beauty, health, and energy. So a lot of people who, you know, are into workouts, you know, they have acai in order to not only have the protein, but also have all the antioxidants in your body to really help, you know, building up the muscles and give you all the nutrition, you know, to give you energy. Rejuvenation, you know, that is antioxidant. It's to stay young and also to uh, detox your body. I think this is what acai bowl is known for. The antioxidant of uh, acai is super rich. It's 22 times more than blueberry. Wow. Yeah, so it's wow. very, very rich. It ha it's uh, rich in uh, omega-3, 6, and 9, mm. and antioxidant. So it's very good for eyes, and, you know, it's many, many times more uh, vitamin C, you know, than the normal lemon. You sell the powder here, too, so people can bring it home. You, how do you recommend that people eat it at home? So we have a freeze-dried premium acai powder in our store. And if you're mixing, uh, blending some juice at home, you can just add a spoon into it, right? And you have uh, your juice with acai. Or if you're eating uh, yogurt, you can just add a spoon of uh, acai powder and mix it. You can have a good protein and antioxidant at the same time. Or even easier, you just add it in your water or honey water and drink it. Like we're doing right now, I got my honey water. Well, this is like lemon, lemon juice and warm, warm water. water. Right? So, you know, it's easy. I think I'm a convert. I'm going to have to have this every day. You are? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. And next time you see me, I'll look 10 years younger. Well, I might not be able to recognize you. <laughs> <laughs> we were laughing. We were laughing earlier that Carlos looks very young, but he's yes. probably like 80 years old, his right? Skin, his skin is glowing, you know. Sitting here, you see that his skin is all glowing. So you know that, you know, there's something that's good here, mm. right? All right, all right. All this talk about acai is getting me hungry, and I'm sure you want to know what it tastes like, too. When we come back in just a moment in our third course, we're going to be sampling the beautiful bowl we've put together with Carlos and Kimmy. 
But first, let's hear a little bit more of this uh, Stan Getz song in the background. It's called So Dansu Samba. You're listening to Feast Meets West, and we are on an acai adventure at Amavi, which is a little Brazilian acai restaurant in downtown Taipei. If you'd like to see some pictures of their creations, you can visit them on Instagram. Just look for A-M-A-V-I-E underscore A-C-A-I. We'll also have that link for you in the show notes for this episode at english.rti.org.tw. Are you listening? <laughs> this is the sound of my country. This is the sound of Taiwan. Taiwan, a small island with a whole world of sounds. Third course. It looks like there's some. Um, are these Walnut. candied walnuts? Yeah. So the walnuts is dried, so it's so crispy, mm-hmm. and also it's blended with honey. Mm. So it's very delicious. And there's a little pitcher here on the side. Yogurt. What is this? Yogurt. So this is uh, no sugar uh, yogurt. Mm-hmm. So what we can do is we can eat the acai, and with the original taste. And after that, you can add some yogurt and blend it together to have a different taste. Okay, we're gonna like destroy the whole presentation now. I know it's so beautiful. I hate to touch it, right? Okay. Let's get the acai. No, I'm digging in. Mmm. 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 That's really good. This is really good. It tastes very berry. It's very. It's a berry. It is a berry. It and tastes like a berry. Blend it with blueberry and also a cranberry, right? Mm. Do you try it with the milk powder? I did. So mm. this acai is the Brazilian taste acai. Mm-hmm. So we make it, you know, uh, the Brazilian way. So for people that don't have the chance to go to Brazil, can have it in Taiwan Amavi, the Brazilian way acai ball. Mm. 
It's very good. interesting, very unexpected to have it with the milk powder, I think. I know, because the milk powder, I thought it would be like a creamier taste, mm -hmm. but it actually gave it a tint of vanilla taste. Mm. Did, you, did you taste the vanilla? It's very nice. So let's add the yogurt in. Yogurt. Mm. So what is your favorite way, Carlos? My favorite way is actually the Brazilian way. Yeah, it, the milk powder. Yeah, remind me the the Brazilian flavor and just you know the memories in Brazil. What do you miss about Brazil? Do you miss anything from your childhood? I miss a lot, you know, from my childhood because in Brazil our school time is from 7 a.m. to 12 p.m. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> school time. School. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to be a parent there. I <laughs> know, right? Because you have to take care of your kids. I have to go pick them up at 12. No. <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, after that, you know, we have so much time, right? So, what we used to do, we go back home to have lunch and do some homework. And then the whole afternoon, we go to sport clubs and we play all kinds of sports. And we have the nighttime as well. You know, we can practice some uh, karate or we can do some other courses like uh, learn English or like learn typing, you know. So it's a very, you know, uh, mixed and creative, you know, day that you could have. So it's only like 7 to 12. So you, not, you don't spend all of your time at school or study, uh, studying only. Yeah. So And where were you living? You weren't in Rio de Janeiro, were you? I lived in the south. Yeah, in the south. Yeah, in Londrina is the name of the city. Well, we have a couple more things. Do you want to try these? Let's try these as well. This is also Brazilian. Yeah. So in Brazil, there is a snack called uh, pão de queijo, which is a cheese ball. And what we do is we make that cheese ball into a waffle. Wow. In a waffle right? uh -huh. And we add the very uh, well-known Brazilian uh, requeijão, which is a cheese cream. So it's a waffle with pão de queijo taste with requeijão cream. In Brazil, there's a lot of good delicacies, you know, good food, because I went to one of the uh, schoolmates of my kids. They're from Brazil. They're Brazilian. So they had all these little dishes, like meat baked inside, you know, kind of like a pie. And it, it tastes like really, really good. And they said that's like authentic, like, you know, Brazilian food. So they're good cooks. Mmm. Mm. You can see I'm not talking. It's because I'm eating. It's so good. <laughs> I know it. I savory know it. waffle. Mm. That's amazing. It's very cheesy and very uh, waffly, yeah. lovely texture. I can imagine if you put jalapeno mm -hmm. inside, mm. stuff it in. Mm. Wouldn't that taste like nachos? It would taste kind of like <laughs> <Right>? nachos. <laughs> Well, I have to thank you, Carlos. You've you really brought us on a little food journey here. We started off with the, the sweet mm -hmm. and the fruity, berry-like taste, um, the iciness of mm -hmm. this um, uh, of the acai berries mm -hmm. and the acai bowl. And then we finished off with a savory, uh, really cheesy waffle. Your whole thing? Yeah, I stuffed it in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Which is warm and crispy. We've we've done everything. We've mm. done the salty and the sweet. We've done the right. crispy. I really feel that, you know, we're in Brazil right now. Absolutely. Right? All right. Well, thank you so much, Carlos. So it's a, been a pleasure uh, sampling your acai mm -hmm. and learning all about the different ways it's eaten in Brazil and around the world. Thank you so much. Thank you. And how do you say goodbye? Até mais. Até mais. Right. Ciao. Ciao. <laughs>
Coming to our end, of course, write to us, P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Email us at androo at rti.org.tw. But next Saturday on our feast, join us for a look at the Lim family name and a related treat. Yum. That's right. Who knew that the Lin family had their own origin of their, their family name? Really? Yes. Oh. And we're going to find out all about why that family is named after the forest. Okay. All right. One final song today. It also has a feeling of Brazil in it, doesn't it? It's called Ba Xi Wan Sui, Brazil Hooray. And this is by <laughs> Chen Shen. For Peace Meets Us, I'm Andrew Ryan. And this is Ellen Chu. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey!
Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. And in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.